Um, let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, thank you for um, thank you for worship, the gift of music and the gift of instruments. And they just, they try, they try to help us think about what it would be like to be with you 10,000 years and forevermore, but they, they, they're just going to fall short. <laughs> um, and so today, even as we dive into the text, may that flood our minds even more, especially in the book of Revelation. Um, in Jesus' precious name I pray, amen, amen. We'll be seated. <clears throat> So we're going to dive into the book of Revelation as a church. And so if you have a nifty journal, um, you can go ahead and open up to that. The text will actually be there in the journal for you to where you can jot down notes. And again, if you didn't get one of those, I think there's maybe a few more in the back, uh, maybe not. But nonetheless, um, they will be available if you contact Tyler LaFoy. So we're going to dive into Revelation uh, Chris, are we good on the screen? Are we ready to go? Okay, good deal. I'm going to ask you this question right off the bat. When you think of the book of Revelation, uh, what, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about that? Yeah, say it out loud. I, I can barely hear three masks, but let's, what, do you, what do you think of? Hellfire. Hellfire, doom and gloom, apocalypse, uh, war, chaos, all this kind of stuff. And maybe if you grow up in the time that I did, maybe this face comes to mind also as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and anybody, uh, there's a lot of people in our church like, who is that guy? That's Kirk Cameron, folk. All right, if you don't know that, you can get out of our church. I, I'm, I'm just messing. Uh, so, so here's the thing. We think of all these things left behind. And I ask that because many, if not most have a distorted, skewed view of Revelation that just is not a biblical portrait of the book of Revelation. It's not a portrait that it even paints of itself. When I was growing up, and many of you guys will identify with this, we had um, tuning antennas on our TVs, right? Y'all remember these? And so uh, there was a generation that had to go outside and the storms and move it around, and your dad would scream at you, uh, turn it to the right! You're like, there's lightning everywhere. <laughs> I don't care. I got to watch MASH, you know. Um, but, you know, we would do that. Or, and then you would get full, try to put full on it. You have to tune in the channel to kind of get a clear picture. Well, the beauty of the book of Revelation is it's, it's self-tuning right off the bat. It will give us, if we'll just read it, a very clear picture that stands in stark contrast to what most people think about the book of Revelation. I'm telling you guys, this is a cool book. Um, and so we're going to find that out pretty quickly. On the screen, I'll give you five things that you'll see right off the bat if you're taking notes. Number one is this. There is no book in the Bible that reveals Christ's glory like the book of Revelation. We think of the Mount of Transfiguration when Christ revealed His glory. Let me go ahead and tell you, church, Revelation blows the Mount of Transfiguration away. We think of when Christ revealed His glory and shined on... I'm telling you, Revelation paints a much more powerful picture than the Mount of Transfiguration. Number two, there is no book more misunderstood and wildly misrepresented also than the book of Revelation. 
Um, that for several reasons that we're not going to get into. If you came today thinking, I, I'm so pumped we're going through Revelation because I cannot wait to get into the nitty-gritty debates of Revelation. You are going to be sorely disappointed because we're not going to approach the book that way. Uh, but nonetheless, it is the most wildly misrepresented book. But I will also say, number three, there's no more book that's more wrongly avoided than the book of Revelation. And I, church, need to repent before you um, in earnest for that. For several years, I've joked about we will never, ever do the book of Revelation. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, I never tell the Lord you're not going to do something. But nonetheless, the fear of the book of Revelation is just that there's a lot that I don't understand, and I readily admit to you that I don't understand. But nonetheless, as me and Tyler LaFoy were reading through this book a couple of months ago, you all of a sudden hit Revelation 22.10 that says this, and he said, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. And that punched me in the face like Mike Tyson is going to punch Roy Jones Jr. in the face. And it hit me. And, and so I stand before you and repent of that. And then number four, and not to be cheeky, but there's also no other book in the Bible that is more wrongly pronounced. Let's get this um, right off the bat together. Let's, let's say the name of the book of the Bible. The book is the book of Revelation. Don't add an S to it. Um, it's like going to Walmarts or Sonics or Hibbets. There's no S on the end of it. It's just one revelation. It's John's one revelation. And so when you're inviting your friends, invite them to come to hear the, about the book of Revelation. Uh, so it really is a wonderfully encouraging, exciting, revealing book of what was formerly kept in secret. That is the word revelation. The word literally is apocalypse, meaning what is revealed that's always been kept in secret. And so we're going to walk through that book together. Well, five things. You ready to dive in? Let's do this. Guys, listen. I am pumped about this book. This is going to be awesome as we journey through it together. Let's look at five things we learn right off the bat in the prologue. Revelation 1 says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and who keep what's written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Let's blow through seven things real fast right off the bat. Number one, we learn that the author is Jesus. That's unique to the book of Revelation. No other book of the Bible begins with, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's pretty cool. It is the author's Jesus from God through an angel through John. That's quite a beginning to a book. Imagine with me how quick you would open a letter if it said, this is a letter to you from Sabin, from Tupac, through an angel to you. I mean, how quick would you read that? That was a Tupac reference, by the way. Um, you would pop that open really quick. Guys, listen, this is way more awesome than something from Saban, Tupac, um, or whatever your favorite, favorite figure is in the world today. This is an incredibly poignant book from incredibly poignant authors. Number two, 
Its focus is to make known the soon coming things. We see that right off the bat. In other words, the things that are not yet. So there's a mystery to this book. And basically, that word soon can be in three different ways. Now, we need to take note of this. It can mean this because this gets into the nitty-gritty details. Some of you really are theologians at heart, and you want to know this, uh, where I stand. I'm not going to tell you where I stand on the book of Revelation, but the word soon, coming soon, can at least be three different ways. Number one, it can be the soon, meaning in John's actual lifetime. Okay? That is a way that you can interpret the book of Revelation. That it was given to John for soon coming things that would not happen in the future, but would happen soon in his actual lifetime. Okay? That's called the preterist view of the book of Revelation. Or you could take that word, could also be translated rapidly. To give you the things that are rapid. Meaning that once they start unfolding, they're going to unfold very rapidly. Okay, so not necessarily in John's time, maybe in the future, but whenever it occurs, when it happens, it's going to be soon, it's going to be fast, it's going to unfold quickly. Or number three, you can see it this, as soon coming things being futuristic, that being the futurist view, coming, it's in the future, these are things to come, so be expectant any day, any time for these things to begin to unfold. They're coming futuristically, okay? All three are incredibly comforting. Because all three are awesome in their own way. The point is, be ready because at some point Jesus is going to split the sky wide open and the world is going to see him in his glory in a way that he's never displayed it before. That is exciting, no matter where you fall on the timetable. So with that said, number three, we see something about the content very quickly. The content was actually seen... And it wasn't heard or merely just sensed. It wasn't like Second Peter where Peter says the scriptures were driven by men like wind drives a boat. Okay, kind of that God's doing something, they sense it, so the writers of scripture are being driven. That's not the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation stands completely alone as John going, listen, I didn't feel this. I didn't sense this. But I was caught up in a completely different dimension where I saw this. Really. That is pretty awesome. Okay. So uh, it, that's going to be super important later because remember, <laughs> Tyler said don't say anything about helicopters. I'm not going to say anything about helicopters just yet. But you do have to remember this. John is seeing things that he has no context for. And trying to describe things that he sees that he doesn't understand. And that's going to play in big time into understanding the book of Revelation. Especially when he starts saying, I see big dragons flying in the sky spitting fire. Is that clicking? with? Okay, so that kind of give you a, you know, it's, it's, these things are going on in Scripture. So he saw this. And so his eyes are open to this different dimension. Number four, this is the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing to its reader and its hearer and its keeper. No other book of the Bible promises this. So we often avoid it, and in doing so, we can be avoiding a divine blessing from the Lord. And church, listen, if there is a divine blessing to be had, this bald brother don't want to miss it. And I know you don't want to either. And so dig in. 
There's a promised blessing to the one who hears, reads, and keeps this. This was designed to be read to a congregation aloud. The hearer implies some would listen, some would not. I challenge you, don't be the one that doesn't listen. There's a promised blessing for you as we dig through this. And the keeper, treasure it. Take it to heart. Um, hold on to it near and dear. Expect the Lord to teach something out of it. And then number five, we see this right off the bat. The recipients were seven quite literal churches. So let me just go ahead and dispel the myth that John is on the Isle of Patmos and somehow is, um, I don't know, drinking shroom tea. <laughs> or he's, he's, he's found some peyote or something like that. This, John is not hopped up. Like this is written to seven quite literal churches who are experiencing very real things. And so this was, it would be something like this. This is the book of Revelation 2, put it in our context, written to Capstone, First Wesleyan, Chapel Hill, um, First Baptist, Vineyard, and Safe Haven Church. That's how real this letter is, okay? So it's not just mystical or mythical. This was very specific, and as we'll see, it's going to be uncanny, how representative those churches are of churches today. And we're going to hit that beginning just next week. So after the prologue, it doesn't take John two seconds before he erupts in celebration. And it's, it's, it's just a volcanic eruption. As, as you know, volcanoes, won't, they'll never erupt anything other than lava and ash because that's what's inside of a volcano. You're never going to find a volcano that erupts Skittles, right? I mean, now it is 2020, so who knows? <laughs> there may erupt some Skittles out of it these days, or sharks or something, I don't know. But you get my point. And, and, and so here's the point of this. So too, thinking on Jesus in this level and at this depth will never erupt anything other than just excitement. It's what happens I'm telling you today, when we begin to dive into this in just a second, and we're almost actually done for today, but as we begin diving in right off the bat, this book is going to well up excitement inside of you that has to erupt out. It's the natural overflow of reading the book of Revelation. The point of this whole book will be on the screen. The point is this to cause us to rejoice in what Jesus has already done and what he will be doing. That intros us into the book of Revelation. So let's celebrate with John, number one, what he has done. He has saved us through the cross. Verse 5 says this, Grace to you. And peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who were before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who's made us into a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. <laughs> this dude just amened his own statement. Like, you know that's good when, you know, when, you're, when you're talking to your kids 
When I'm talking to my kids, and it's very rare, but all of a sudden, somehow the Holy Spirit of God will fall upon me, and I'll actually say something right to them, and they'll stop, and they won't debate me. In that moment, I can see it on their faces, and I look at them, and I want to be like, Amen! I want to amen my own statement because it, it penetrated. Well, that's what John's doing. He's going, listen to this. Amen. And it just erupts out of him. It's that ultimate mic drop moment, um, but it's also the ultimate mic drop moment for the believer. If we'll understand that he's saved us through his cross, it will erupt something out of us. Look at what it just said. This is what erupts in John, and I pray will erupt in you if you're a believer. Number one, we just learned that we celebrate because He has already loves us and continues, church, to love us. Let that sink in. The God of the universe loves you. That alone, I should be able to shut the book and we go, hallelujah, let's sing. Jesus, through the cross, loves you. And maybe that's all you need to hear today more than anything else if you're a believer. He loves you. And it's an ongoing perpetual love. Why? Number two, because He's already, past tense, freed us from our sins. So this causes eruption in John, both from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. Meaning that before Christ, we are hell-bent, stuck in reverse. We're not in a moral neutral. All we can do is sin. Christ comes in, kicks that bad boy out of reverse, throws it into overdrive, and not only frees us from not having to sin continually, but frees us to actually doing good things for the glory of God that the Father looks at and goes... Good job. Well done, my child. He freed us from both the power and penalty of sin. It had shackles on us, church. There was nothing we could do but sin, but Christ broke that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so this causes joy in John because he loves us. He continues to love us. He freed us from our sins. And notice what he said. And he has already made us, past tense, a kingdom of priests. Raise your hand in here if you feel like a priest. Now listen, I'm not talking about the, the wearing the thing priest. and the, That's not the priest. I'm talking about a beloved honored saint. Do you feel that way? Raise your hand in here if you feel like a peasant before the Lord. Put your hand down if you're a believer. You're not. You're not. You are a beloved saint, priest, made, past tense, put it in the bank, done. It is Finished, present tense, priest before the Lord. Does that, does that sing in your soul? And if it does not, it's weird because I can't see behind your masks. All right? If that doesn't do something in your soul, I've got to believe the Spirit's not present. That causes an eruption that we've been changed and made right before God Almighty. We're priests. 
So we celebrate with John what Jesus has already done, past tense, but then we celebrate with John what Jesus will do. And this is, gets really nutty really quick. Just going to be honest with you. It's really crazy really fast. He saved us through the cross, but ladies and gentlemen, He stuns us through His crown. Let's look at this, verse 7. Behold, He's coming with the clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, and John gives himself a double amen. <laughs> Say amen number two. Tyler, when he preaches next week, or whenever it is, will probably start amening himself. Um, he says this, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty that alone is enough to get you spiritually intoxicated, if you'll allow me to say that word. Not Joe and Kooky, but you get what I'm saying. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on an island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. Who holds seven stars? From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like shining sun in full strength. So when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. No, duh. Who wouldn't? But he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I'm the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and Hades. So write therefore these things that you've seen. Those that are and those that are about to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And I think we should probably just stop right there today. <laughs> That's a load, church. Let's re recap and see if the Lord doesn't stir affections in our soul. Number one, we're reminded that He's coming with the clouds. Church, one day, the sky will be split wide open and Christ will come through it. He says this, for every eye will see Him, both alive and dead and global. Everybody will see this take place. And there is the vindictive side of me, and I know a lot of you guys, again, I readily admit this, y'all are grace and mercy. And so when y'all think of Pontius Pilate and Annas and Caiaphas and all of that, you're like, yes, they too receive mercy. But dear friend, those who pierce the Lord, namely being Pilate, Annas, and Caiaphas, I cannot wait till the sky splits wide open. <laughs> and that's that vindictive side of me that is like, they, those who reject the Lord will be forced to see Him in all of His glory shining as He splits the clouds. Just for kicks and giggles, how many of y'all have been driving down the road or cutting your grass one day and looked up at the sky and wondered, I wonder if it's going to happen now? 
Anybody ever done that? Okay, all of y'all grew up watching the Left Behind series or reading the Left Behind book. But nonetheless, that's, that's the glory of the Lord that we'll see. And then John says this, he is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The Greek alphabet begins with Alpha, ends with Omega. In other words, he's saying he started this thing and he's going to finish this bad boy. He'll be clothed in a long robe, golden sash. He, he'll be this rightly deserving high priest that is robed like not, no other. He'll be, his hair will be this white as snow, this, this blemish-free, spotless lamb Im imagery that's found actually in Daniel chapter 7. This is, Daniel 7 wrote the, about this coming moment 800 years before John even penned this. We'll see a Jesus whose eyes are like fiery flame. In other words, he can destroy you with one look or he can purify you with one look. We see this, a Jesus whose feet are going to be like bronze. In other words, everywhere he walks will stamp an imprint. We see a Jesus whose voice is like a roaring water. This, two summers ago, we, Cole got to play in Cooperstown in New York, and, and so we went to Niagara Falls. Have y'all been to Niagara Falls? Anybody ever been up there? You're, you're, you're seeing these falls, and you're on this boat, and all of a sudden these falls are all around you, and the noise is overwhelming. It takes over all of your senses. And John says, when Jesus comes back, there'll be nobody chattering in the background because his voice will take over everything. That's how powerful he is. He's, we see a Jesus here who's holding the seven stars. He tells us later that those seven stars are the seven angels. And listen, I know that Hallmark paints a really pretty picture of angels. And some of y'all may have even have some cute angelic, uh, I don't know, maybe embroidery on some clothes or like some, you know, maybe you have a little cute little angel doll, cute, cuddly, all this kind of stuff. Have you ever read about angels in the Bible? Anybody. They're not cute and cuddly. One shows up to Isaiah and the whole temple falls apart. <laughs> these are warriors. I mean, these are beasts. If one walked in this room right now, everybody who sees one in Scripture falls out like they're dead, okay? And here's what's said of Jesus. He holds these bad boys in his palm. That's our Lord. He says this, we'll see a Jesus whose speech cuts like a two-edged sword. It could divide you or it could defend you. We'll see a Jesus whose face is like shining stun in full strength. And for people with skin like me, that is a scary, scary thought. Because I'm translucent, transparent, and it doesn't matter if I put on 100 SPF, I still burn. But this glory of this Jesus in this full shining sun, you, you can't even look at the sun for one second, and our Jesus radiates this. We'll see a Jesus whose feet we will fall out like dead. How else would you respond to that type crowned king? We'll see a Jesus that although he is holier than everybody else, reaches down to touch sinners. Did you catch that part? John fell out like dead. And what did Jesus do? Spit on him and go, that's right, that's where you deserve to be. What did he do? Jesus reached down and he said, hey, 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 buddy. 
and he touches him. And he says, I'm a friend, not a foe. That's our Lord. <laughs> Though he holds warrior angels in his palm, we peasants, he reaches down and touches and says, because you trust in me, I love you, my friend. Don't fear me. And then 14, we'll see a Jesus that holds in his hands the keys to the afterlife. We saw that, both the keys to death and Hades. In other words, he alone is access to the inner courts of heaven. There's no other way but through him. And like a janitor who has a big set of keys, Jesus holds one key and he says, I can unlock the gates of heaven for you. Which is really, really cool. Because also, if you're like me, you've heard all your life, hey, what are you going to do if you stand before St. Peter and he says, why should I let you into the kingdom of heaven? Well, number one, St. Peter is not going to be standing there. <laughs> number two, St. Peter is just like us. He has no authority to let you in or not let you in. And number three, we will be greeted by the Lord Almighty Himself that holds angels in His palm, who shines like the sun, whose feet are like brunished, brunished bronze, whatever that is. All of these things. And He'll say, hey, I'll let you in, friend, because you love me. That's our God. Pretty awesome, isn't it? As the band comes on back up. So how do we walk away from this book, beginning already off the bat? Well, unrepentant, unbelieving, untrusting. The one who is not living, giving your life to the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. I just simply read this and I go, listen, every knee one day will hit the floor in honor of our Lord Jesus. And so if you fit in that category of unrepentant, unbelieving, unsurrendered, you'll either be forced to bow before this Lord or you'll willingly bow before this Lord now. Why tarry? Why wait? The Lord stands before you today and says, Trust, believe in me, surrender your life to me, and I will not be your warrior foe, but I'll be your savior friend. So if you're unrepentant, call on the Lord today. That's what this text calls us to. Repent of your sin. Trust in Christ's righteousness. Believe, surrender, submit. And there's a little card in the, in the handout. And today, if you are giving your life to Christ, we would love to at Safe Haven pray with you. There's a place that you can check and say, hey, I'm giving my life to Christ today, and we'd love to follow up with you about that. That's available if you're unrepentant. That's how you respond to this text. But repentant. Church. Believers. Now let me talk to you. Would you stand? What do we do with this text? Here's what you do with it. You realize there is no God like our God. Period. No other God. And although one day 
our jaw will hit the floor, we have an opportunity in God's grace to let our jaw hit the floor right now. Worship Him greatly. Lord Jesus, thank you for your text.